Today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Make sure to check it out and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. Your Lockdown Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, June 24th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, if you're on Twitter, then please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page. That can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good content being posted there every day as well. No, 100% makes sense. I mean, that's how it is for a lot of teams this summer, especially with the expansion draft coming too. There's like the expansion draft, the NHL draft, and the free agency yeah, in like six days. And when that happens, I mean, so many, so many things can change. So many things can change before that happens. Um. One guy I do want to talk about that can play center that the Blackhawks currently have under contract is Dylan Strome. He's someone that is really in this tough situation because down the middle, looking at the Blackhawks, if Jonathan Taze is able to come back next season, the recent reports are saying um, it's at least looking a bit promising, nothing official, of course, but there, there is a growing hope that he'll be able to return. And if he does, he's going to slot in as that first line center. We got Kirby Doc right behind him as the second. And then we got a bunch of young guys coming up. We just trade for Henrik Borgstrom. Pia Suter played a lot of center last season. Philip Kershev's primarily a center. Um, he played a little bit of wing last year, but I believe the Blackhawks are still going to try to give him opportunities to play down the middle. So Dylan Strom is really kind of the odd man out in this situation. And I feel like he's still only 24 years old and in the right situation, playing with the right players, I feel Dylan Strome can still be a valuable player. Now I don't, he's obviously not the, he doesn't have the upside as Kirby doc, but I really don't think the Blackhawks, it would have to be, I just don't see Kirby doc them parting ways with Kirby doc. I really don't see that happening in any sort of way. So a, a trade that kind of popped into my mind, is so the Blackhawks, I don't know if they'd be trading picks for this year's draft, but is obviously the trade would have to happen before the draft for that to happen. But they do have two second round picks this year. We got our first in the next three years coming up. An idea I had, I, I saw the same article that Mark Lazarus and um, Scott Powers put out there that you mentioned earlier. And I've seen that um, Columbus's wanting picks and prospects as well. So one possible trade that came to mind for me was a first round pick in a second. I feel like that has to be in there. And then Dylan Strom and Adam Boquist for Seth Jones and maybe like a third or a fourth because we're putting a first, second Dylan Strom and our top defenseman prospect. What would be 
your thoughts on that return for Seth Jones? Yeah, I would. I would not be. I would not be upset about that. Um, I'm just pulling up the the cap friendly. Um, yeah, I got the, it up right only, now. The 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 my immediate kind of concern with that is that Dylan Strome and Adam Boquist are both RFA after next season. So it would be a case of okay, we've just traded a guy that we don't want to that doesn't want to stay. Now we go straight into two, two more RFA discussions. Uh, Zach Wierenski is up next season, so we've got to find a way to pay him unless he walks as well. I've decided that I'm just not going to think about that until that, that's a thing because <laughs> I feel like it's every season that I get stressed about RFA. So I feel like it would very much be, and if it's in the case of uh, uh, sign and trade, you know, so we, you get Seth Jones who immediately signs long term um i don't know enough about um i assume well boquist will be in for a reasonable raise uh, coming off his elc i don't know enough about, i know dylan strom had a pretty good season not last season but the season before when he was traded he kind of immediately jumped into chicago and played really well last season i wasn't quite as good I don't think so I assume he's up for probably a little bit of a race making three million at the minute so it would very much depend on um what those next contracts look like on my half but yeah I think a first and a second and a center and a defenseman would be basically basically ideal I think it's just kind of that worry of um Dylan Strom is is the worry which is which is really annoying because I love Dylan Strom like as as a player i think he's he's a really good guy uh, i think he has been got screwed by arizona in his development um and i really thought he was going to kind of really kind of blossom in in chicago and then obviously kobe Dak came along and kind of snuck above him in the in the center pipeline but mm-hmm. yeah i think if if dylan strome kind of has that room to succeed which He'd probably be our second line center, um, maybe our first, because like I said, we don't really have any, we don't have a first line center at the minute. And why not throw Dylan Strom on a line with Patrick Liner and see what happens? Um, I I would not be mad at that trade. I think there'd probably be some kinks to work out. It would depend entirely on if it's of first round this year or next year like which second which you know the second round is like mm-hmm. that kind of thing but yeah like that's that's actually it's a trade I hadn't considered and it's actually it's the most um the most like simultaneously realistic and uh promising trade I'm kind of trying my my unrealistic trade right now I'm trying to manifest is uh Patrick Lane and Seth Jones to Toronto in return for Morgan Riley and William Nylander but I recognize that that is that is not happening so <laughs> hey I mean <clears throat> uh, Toronto's needing to do something they're gonna need to change it up I don't know if they're gonna go that route but something someone's yeah, gonna have to go there. in Toronto and I, mean, I would very much like to take advantage of that and take Morgan Riley, who I rate really highly, and William Nylander, who is an elite winger. Oh, yeah, Nylander was the only one who showed up in the playoffs for People are like, oh, well, what if we do Mitch Marner for Seth Jones? Nope, don't want it. Don't want that. I don't want $11 million of nothing on my team. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. The guy who takes delay game penalties up the wazoo in the playoffs. 
but all right, so back to, to going back to Dallas, a more wrong. realistic, more realistic. Trait than you're totally, you're totally good. I, I do. So Dylan Strom, as you mentioned, that first season he came over to Chicago, 51 points in 58 games. And we were like, yes, we got a good one here. And the last two seasons have not lived up to that hype that we were hoping for. And this season was really tough for Dylan because it was the first time where he was getting healthy scratch towards the end of the year. And there was actually one time where um, he, he spoke about this in the off season. He got out there on the ice for uh, the warmups. And then after warmups occurred, they told him he wasn't going to play that night. And he was very upset with that situation, understandably. So um, I really think Dylan Strom needs someone to believe in him. I think he's, he's only 24 years old. I don't know if he's ever going to be, an elite playmaker because the speed's really not there, but he's shown that when he plays with a guy like Alex Debrinkit, who's just a pure goal scorer, obviously they have a little bit more chemistry because they've played together since juniors, but he's shown that he can be an asset and um, he can be a top six forward if he's given regular line mates in a consistent role. And that's been the trouble in Chicago. He hasn't been playing on a consistent line. They've tried moving him to the wing because we have so much center depth. Um, coming up in the pipelines, not, not really anything that I think is enticing enough for Columbus to be like, oh, that's our center of the future. But we do have a lot of centers that are going to be in that middle six area. And it's like, where is Dylan Strom going to fit? So that's why they kind of moved him to wing. He looked horrible there. Wasn't ever comfortable. He's never played there in his career. And he hasn't been in the lineup consistently. And I think that's kind of taken a toll on his game a little bit. I, I do think if... He went to Columbus and got a sign and trade. And by the way, I don't know if he's going to get a raise. He had 17 points in 40 games this year, like not even a half a point per game player. It's been a struggle for him. So honestly, he does have uh, arbitration rights for next year, but even if it is a raise, I don't see it being higher than 3.5. Like he's not going to break the bank or anything. And that could be a very valuable contract if he gets to a situation where he gets comfortable and, I think he just needs to feel like someone believes in him. I really do. And the Blackhawks are, are having their doubts. They've been scratching him. And I think that's taken a toll on his just overall mental, mental health. I mean, that's a huge part of the game when you're coming to the rink. And, you know, when we traded for you, you're the number former number three overall pick. We're trading you to come in here and be our number two center of the future. Probably number one, once Jonathan Taze go, that was the hype for Dylan Strome. And now it's kind of like, we don't even know if we want you anymore, buddy. And being 24 years old, that's how old I am. I can only imagine playing in a market like Chicago and being like, well, I just went from uh, potentially being the guy to uh, kind of getting ran out of town here. So that's why I do think if, if a deal were to happen between Chicago and Columbus, I feel Strom would be a good fit. And I also think that it would have to take Adam Boquist or Ian Mitchell. And if that's what it's going to cost to get Seth Jones, I'm there for it. I, I've had people <laughs> comment on um, some of my Twitter posts saying, yeah, I'll drive, I'll drive uh, Adam Boquist <laughs> to the airport if that's what it's going to cost. I like Adam Boquist a lot, but he's five foot 11, not going to be 200 pounds. He's not going to be your shutdown number one defenseman. He can be an elite offensive defenseman. He's 20 years old. We've seen the skill set. He can be a wizard offensively. But is he six foot four, 200 pounds, can play physical, rugged style of hockey that we need in the postseason, which is the goal of what we're trying to get back to? The goal, let's not put that out of perspective. The goal is to get back to being a good 
playoff team year in and year out. Contend, contend, contend. Anything can happen in the playoffs if you're a contender. And Adam Boquist as a number one for the Blackhawks, I don't know about that. Can he be a good piece to an organization and be a help in the right spot? Absolutely. You put a shutdown defenseman next to him, I feel like he could be a great number two. But if that's what's going to cost to get Seth Jones, I got to do it. Is there anyone else you've kind of seen that piques your interest potentially in a deal? Um, I am just looking at uh, your your prospect now. Um, I don't think so, honestly. I think that's that seems like the be- the best deal that it's going to be on on both sides. I believe um, so as well. And I do want to just add. I think something important to like the the what Seth Jones brings to the team is that he kind of walked into. Columbus he was what 20 21 22 when he arrived yeah he immediately walked into this team and got a letter you know and I think he he is going to solidify a a young defense like Chicago you know obviously um DeHaan is is over 30 Duncan Duncan Keith is 37 years old that feels incorrect like in my head I think and I think we talked about this last time like in my head Jonathan Taves is still like 26 and Duncan Heath is still like 31 years old but he kind (laughs) of he has that that and I hate this because I feel like teams talk about it all the time he has that kind of veteran presence and I think he can be a leader on a very young defensive core and I think he can be a teacher as well you know he's been in the league for what like eight years at this point nine years you know I think he and which you know whichever defensive prospect you don't give up I think he can help elevate their game and I think that's something that is looked at a lot in terms of when you sign a veteran for like hashtag grit or whatever but it's you never really look at it in terms of like what he brings yeah. off the ice. You don't look at that kind of thing with guys like Seth Jones, I feel like. But he he was a natural leader. He was kind of he was supposed to be the next captain of of the of the Blue Jackets. And you know, it's it feels very much I think that's why it was kind of a kick in the teeth when he was like, Yeah, I want to explore free agency, because I'd kind of been coming to terms with the fact that okay, Nick Felino is gone. We need a new captain. If he doesn't come back, it's gonna be Seth Jones. And then it turns around that Seth Jones actually doesn't doesn't want to stick around, which fine, whatever. But he's going to bring that that leadership to a team that is looking at it now just incredibly young. All right, my conversation with Jay Forster from Lockdown Blue Jackets will continue in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even as much as 100% more for the exact same parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? Chain stores and car dealerships have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you can even choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. 
best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're also the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts that you'll ever need for your car or truck for the best possible prices? Oh yeah, so young on the back end. I think I think the Blackhawks had eleven or twelve guys make their NHL debut this past season. Yeah, exactly. And a guy like Seth Jones, who can not even like not even necessarily be a leader on the ice in terms of getting a letter, because I don't think he will get a letter, especially if Taves comes back. I assume that the letter right. season will be um, Taves with the C, and then Kane and Keith with with yeah, hundred percent. But he is very much a kind of a, a silent leader and he leads by example as well you know he kind of he walked into columbus and became our number one defenseman he got out on the ice and was like okay cool we're going to be good now and he kind of basically dragged the team to the playoffs that first season he, embr- he embraced that role yeah and i think if he if he gets that chance in in chicago to be that pure number one i think he will he will embrace it and i think he will succeed especially if Chicago puts him in a place to succeed. Um, one of one of the the other the um, the other things about Seth Jones and Columbus is that I feel like we kind of ran him into the ground. Um, you know, he played a million minutes because John Tortorella doesn't believe in like defensive workloads and whatnot. So it's it's it'll be interesting to see him play on a, a different team. Who um, I don't know what Colleton's like in terms of his like defensive ice time spread but when you've got your bottom pairing defenseman playing like six minutes a game and then Jones and Wierenski are playing like 24 minutes a game every single game like that's gonna it's gonna take a toll yeah exactly and so I think it's just again circling right back to to the beginning of why was Seth Jones not very good this season I think overwork might be might be the reason and I've kind of been banging this drum a little while about how if you have to play your top defenseman like 25 minutes a game, then you need better defensive depth. Mm-hmm. You need, you need to help the guys out, especially come playoff time because you only got so much gas in the tank. Yeah. And I think I was looking at what, Oh, I was watching the game for Winnipeg uh, Edmonton. And it turns out that like um, Darnell nurse played like, 60 minutes in a an 80 minute hockey game or something stupid like that and then you look at Winnipeg and I don't think any of their guys topped 30 minutes because they were playing all six defensemen basically equally you know and that's obviously it didn't work for them in the second round when they they turned around and got swept but like that's that's what you need to win you can't be playing you can't rely on one defenseman to play a million minutes and then have your third pairing defenseman just kind of sit there and get cold so if that's what that's what I love about hockey though like you you need the squad to be good you can't just anchor your top guys I mean the Blackhawks kind of got away with it with Duncan Keith in 2015 he was playing like 33 minutes a game I don't know how he won but <laughs> that's not that's not the format that you that's necessarily going to get the job done year in and year out so I completely agree um for Jones I think he comes in and he he would if he obviously if he comes to Chicago he's going to be our number one defenseman right away but we still have pieces around where it's not like, all right, Seth, go play 28 minutes and let's see how it goes for you, buddy. 
um, in an 82 game season, how, how are your legs yeah, going to exactly. feel come summertime? <laughs> like we, Jeremy Colleton is good about that. Like some nights when Nikita Zadorov's having a good game, he'll be our leader in ice time or Connor Murphy will take that next step. If Duncan Keith is looking good that night, he's still going to be our number one guy leading time on ice. I don't know if that should necessarily continue in the future with how the Blackhawks are trying to go about things, but that's kind of Calvin DeHaan can even suit that when he's healthy too. Like we have, we have guys who are serviceable defensemen. They're just not the top pairing guy you want to lean on, you know? And I feel like that's why it could work out well for Seth coming in. If you know, the fans don't blow everything out of proportion, which of course they will, but Chicago, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what comes with the market. And I mean, for a guy like Seth Jones coming out of a smaller market like Columbus, I think he does. Do you feel he wants to go to a big market and get a little bit more recognized? Or do you think he kind of likes flying under the radar? Um, it's, it's difficult to say because I think everyone kind of has that assumption of, oh, we want players want to go to a big market. But Seth Jones is really kind of, he's pretty quiet. He's really soft-spoken. He's not like, a rock star. Well, yeah, exactly. I like Artemi Panarin, I get wanting to go to oh, yeah. be a rock star, you know? Um, <laughs> 100%. But Seth Jones, I feel like, and I don't think Seth Jones's game is that either, you know? Like, he's not going to go somewhere and score 40 goals as a defenseman and be that rock star. You know, he's not going to be a, um, he's not going to be a Roman Yossi who, right. you know, is a rock star in in Nashville. I think he's going to go to Chicago, and I think the 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 problem is going to be that I think he is going to get hyped up and hyped up. Oh yeah, in especially in Chicago, you know we've we've seen it happen countless times, and the problem is I don't know that he will measure up to the hype, which is not a knock on him as a player. That's not a knock on his talent. It's a problem that I think hockey has pretty universally. You know, in that it's very uh-huh. much we signed this big free agent. He's gonna score a million points this season, and I think you know Taylor Hall kind of suffered from it of being uh-huh. not great in Buffalo. But because he's such a big name, it's well we expect so many, so many things from him. Um, I'm trying to think of a, another example, but it it's like, hmm. I think a lot of people expect someone to be incredible. If you're giving up a lot for him, I think they want that highlight real player. And you're not going to get a highlight real player with Seth Jones because if he's doing his job properly, he's not going to show up. And I think people need to realize they show up on the people, analytics. So Right. And I think people need to realize that's okay. Like you don't need the super flashy to get the job done. Like, quite frankly, that really doesn't get it done in the playoffs too often. You don't see, I mean, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but come playoff time, it's hard-nosed hockey that you want. It's not the flashy superstar. You want guys who are going to go out there, bang bodies, and sacrifice for their team because that's what it takes to win in the summer. Exactly. I mean, look at, for example, um, going back to, like, my my days with with, – Chicago, uh, Yamason Odia as a absolute pairing, not flashy, not doing anything. Chicago, for some reason, just did not like Johnny Odia, like the the city. I feel like, and he was that was when he left. I feel like was when Chicago's defense really kind of started to to trend downwards. But with those two on the ice, 
like they uh they would they did nothing they showed up nowhere on the score sheet but the team was better with them on the because of it oh yeah johnny so johnny oduya that's a it's a name i haven't talked about in a while i'm glad you brought him up but 2015 so johnny oduya won the cup with us in 2013 yep huge huge piece that we went and got like that was the year the blackhawks started the year on like a 23 game point streak like Johnny Oduya's first 40 games in Chicago, the Blackhawks were like 35 and five. It was ridiculous. But I, st- I still like that season still like that was when I was just getting into hockey. And I remember hearing about this like 23 and 0 start and being like, that's, but it's ridiculous. Like it's, still, it was, it was insane. It still throws me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was like, that really, that really happened. We like, it was a lockout shortened season. And they started in January, and I don't think we lost a game in regulation until, like, early March. It was something absolutely insane. But a huge part of that was Johnny Oduya and Nicholas Jalmerson showing up and just shutting everybody down. They weren't flashy. Most people, unless you were uh, – I mean, people were jumping on the Blackhawks bandwagon a ton back then, but I don't know if you'd recognize Nicholas Jalmerson on the street, you know, even in Chicago. Like, he just wasn't that household name, but he was such a huge part. Johnny Oduya in 2015, Blackhawks fans were all over him in the regular season. He was not very good. Come playoff time, we literally win the cup playing four defensemen, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Nicholas Jalmerson, and Johnny Oduya showed up so big in that 2015. But we don't win this cup in 2015 without Johnny Oduya. He had to be great with Nicholas Jalmerson, and he was nothing short of that. Our, our third-pairing defenseman in that 2015 cup was like Kyle Kamiski and Kimo Timonen, who was like 50 and it was horrible to watch him play like eight minutes a game. Anytime you saw 44 jump over the bench, you're like, oh boy, we're in for one here. But those are the type of defensemen that you need to get the job done and be consistently good. It doesn't have to be flashy. It, I would rather have heart any day of the week over flash, any day of the week. And you brought up a good point where Seth Jones, I've noticed this too. He's kind of a soft-spoken guy. He's not, you know, really out like, and that was kind of the, weird part to me about the situation with Columbus that he kind of came out and was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dip. It was like, Oh, Seth Jones is usually pretty quiet. I didn't think that was going to be something he did, but soft-spoken guy kind of leads with his play on the ice leads by example. I feel like, of course, I don't, I'm not in the locker room. I'm sure he's a good presence there as well, but I feel like if Chicago didn't overhype him, which is asking a very lot, (laughs) if they didn't overhype him, I really think, they would love his attitude and how he goes about the game of hockey. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and again, I've I've been all over Seth Jones this season for not being very good. But and again, we talked about it earlier. The entire team was mostly not very good. Like Zach Kransky, I was surprised at his his stats because he he had a decent season, like analytically speaking, but. Even considering like this season, which again, no one was good. Literally no one. Um, yeah. I genuinely believe that Seth Jones will make a team better by being honest. All right, my chat with Jay Forster will continue in just a minute, but first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball is back. The NBA and NHL playoffs are getting to their final rounds. UFC is in full swing all year round. And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today. And be sure to use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And really, I mean, I, the overhype's going to come, but that's all, that's all we're asking of the guy. If you just try to keep it simple and not expect him to come out there and put up 60 points when we go back to 82 next season, we don't, we, that's not what we need. Would it be lovely? Absolutely. Would I love Seth Jones to go put up 15 goals next season if he came to Chicago? Oh, yeah, the city would be loving him. But that's not, it would be great, but that's not what we need him to do. We just need him to be a stud defensively, come in and embrace that. Um, he's the guy we're looking to. to kind of change the direction of where we've been. And I don't think that, I don't think that's the part that's going to like discourage him coming to Chicago. I think that part's okay. Like he'll, as you said, when he came to Columbus, he kind of embraced being that guy and was like, we're, we're going to become a good team here. We're going to work hard. We're a small market. Everyone's going to sleep on us, but we're going to show them that, that they're wrong. And I feel like that's a, a thing he can do for Chicago as well. Now, does he want to play in, in that big of a market in, in kind of live under those pressures I don't know I mean that's kind of the problem with what we're seeing in Toronto and those bigger markets there's just so much hype and everything but I do think that Chicago would be a great fit for Seth if he understood that the city the city can love them you know for sure and we're we're in need of that hope that, that light at the end of the tunnel, per se. And getting a guy like Seth Jones makes the light a little brighter. And I think that's what the Blackhawks fans need to keep in mind. Don't overhype it. Don't overhype it. Why can we just not have fun with our nice things? The Blackhawks, we're trying, to, we're trying to do our best here. You got to be – I've talked about this a couple times. You can be nitpicky with the situation we're in. We know we're not going to win next year. But at some point, you got to go out and get a guy that can kind of turn things around. And I think if the Blackhawks pass on Seth Jones and don't do everything to, to get a defenseman of his caliber to come here, I think that would be a, a real disservice. So um, I'm really hopeful that the two organizations are, are having conversations, at least in figuring out, you know, what potentially could be the asking price once everything gets figured out this summer. But um, I'm really hopeful. I know a lot of people so many Chicago people are talking about the bad analytics for Seth Jones right now, and it's steering them away. And I'm just, uh, I'm scared that so many people are going to be like, Oh, well, he had two bad years analytically. We don't want him. That that's not the end all be all of the story here. Like he can be a guy that can be a difference maker. And that's what we need. I, I don't know. I'm going on a rant here, but. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And the other thing about 
because they've been linked with with Seth Jones. And obviously, the other big name is Dougie Hamilton, who they won't have to give anything up for because he's a he's a mm-hmm. UFA this season anyway. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a trade situation? But Dougie Hamilton, I feel like, is going to command a bigger payday than Seth. Jones. I do as well. I think Dougie's. And so you've got to. I would not be surprised if Seth Jones signs an eight million dollar seven year deal with wherever he lands. Dougie Hamilton is going to hit. 10 plus i feel like because that's how much people pay for for number one defenseman in the free agency market so it's it really depends on on whether you think that dougie hamilton is worth that extra two million or for example keeping dylan strome is worth paying an extra two million for dougie hamilton, my kind of my kind of yeah i agree uh, i think uh my concern with dougie I voiced it a little bit earlier. I don't know if he's that number one guy in crunch time. Great offensive defenseman. Played really well with Carolina this season with uh, Jacob Slavin, who's probably the most underrated defenseman in the league. Um, but my, a larger concern I have with Dougie is he's going to get, you just said, he's going to get a big deal. And it's probably going to be eight, I'm guessing seven or eight years. Do you think that's fair? Oh, and yeah. I think, okay, so... Uh... I might be wrong on this. I feel like if he re-signs with Carolina before July 1st, he can sign an eight-year deal. If he waits for July 1st to sign somewhere else, it's only seven because I remember this happening with John Tavares and that he could only sign for seven years with Toronto because of free agency rules. But I, either way, my, my point being seven, but seven like, or yeah, eight. It's, it's gonna seven be, or eight. It's going to be a seven-year yes. contract with, with Chicago if he yes. signs. And my concern with that is he's going to be 34, 35 years old by the end of that deal. And um, the similar guy who was in that boat, Brent Seabrook, who we saw at the end of that contract was really hurting the Blackhawks financially. It kind of, in a sense, limited what we could do in our, you know, post cup era. It kind of limited our abilities because he has a full no movement clause, seven years, ridiculous money, $6.88 million. I don't like, I like Seth being 26 because even if he gets eight, he's only going to be 33, 34 when it comes. And it's 33 and 36 can be a huge difference in the NHL, a huge difference. And I just, I I think I would feel more comfortable giving, giving Seth Jones seven than I would Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, again, I might be wrong on this. Seth Jones does not have the injury history that, that, Dougie Hamilton does. Dougie Hamilton broke mm-hmm. his leg really was, badly a gross. couple of seasons. I feel like that's the kind of injury that when you're, you know, 31, 32, really kind of kicks back in and is is very noticeable. But Seth Jones has been extremely healthy. Um, he he missed a couple of months last season with with a broken ankle. But he and again, that might be another reason why he wasn't great this season. Is, is kind of lingering from from that ankle. I know a lot of people have said with like broken ankles, high ankle sprains, it takes them a year, almost a year, year and a half to get, get back to normal. But I feel like Seth Jones's injury history is not as bad as um, Dougie Hamilton, who has missed a fair amount of time with, with injuries, I feel like. Yeah, 100%. And a point you just brought up too is, well, would we rather have Dougie for a couple extra million rather than giving up, you know, Strom or Adam Boquist in the picks. 
That's a really tough question for the Blackhawks. And I personally, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I just have a hard time backing Dougie Hamilton as our number one, knowing that he's more offensive minded. I feel like Seth can be, can, can play more of a complete game. And if that costs picks and prospects, if he helps, I don't care what he gave, what we gave up. You know, if he comes in and helps, we need a number one defenseman. If that costs, you know, taking a gamble on a young guy who Adam Boquist, who's 20 years old, you know, we're not sure what he's going to be exactly. I take that risk. That's how I personally feel. I know other people are going to feel differently about it, but I personally think I would feel more comfortable going this trading for Seth Jones route than, than giving Dougie that seven or eight and still, you know, having him when he's 35, 36 years old and has had previous injury history. Yeah. And the other, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up in a minute, but one, one last thing as well is if you pass on Seth Jones, there is no guarantee that you're going to get Dougie because he can go where exactly. he wants. He'd have to want to come here. Like, yeah, you could be like, well, we're going to pass on Seth Jones and, and try and offer Dougie Hamilton, you know, 10 million for, for seven years or whatever. He might turn around and be like, actually, I'm going to stay in Carolina. I'm going to go to Toronto. I'm going to, you know, you have a lot of, you have more wiggle room with, with Seth Jones. And I think that's, um, I mean, Seth, Seth himself would probably have to uh, sign a contract for the Blackhawks to make that move. I don't think they'd, I don't think they'd make the trade unless he'd, he'd sign a contract. But um, looking at the other defensemen who are going to hit the market in 2022, there's not like there's Morgan Riley. And aside from that, there's an older Mark Giordano, Chris Latang, PK Subban. I feel like this is John Klingberg actually is a good name, but I don't know if he's going to leave Dallas. But I feel like, again, it's a point I've brought up a couple of times now. You can nitpick your way around because the Blackhawks are in the situation that they are. Um, but at some point, you, you got to find a guy you like and you got to make a move. And just looking at the 2022 free agents, I don't know if there's really that defense from the Blackhawks are going to make a move for unless a guy like John Klingberg or Morgan Riley want out of Toronto, uh, John Klingberg out of Dallas. But so for the Blackhawks, I think it just comes down to, listen, we got, we got to, we got to do something here. We, there is a growing concern that none of these kids can become number one defensemen, even if they max out and, you know, live up to all the expectations. I still don't think Adam Boquist or Ian Mitchell are two top defenseman prospects. I don't think either of them are going to become defensive stalwarts. So for the Blackhawks, I think you got to realize this is an opportunity you're not going to have for potentially a couple more years. And um, you just, I think they got to seize the moment here and try to get a deal done. I really do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Friday, June 25th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by following Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. 
You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.